second that opportunity presents itself and then you do the unthinkable. And it's that one time, think about it. You're in a 30 year marriage, one time of adultery, that trust is gone forever. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the What The Passion Podcast. If you're listening to this podcast right now, it means that you're excited and learning and creating real change. When we started off, our mission was to bring passion back into people's hearts and tell the stories that should be heard. Our commitment to you is to help you find what you're really passionate about so you can live a happier and more fulfilled life and unlock 100% of your true potential. With this being said, guys, let the story begin. That's advertisement. It's usually like yeah. a cup of espresso or two. Yeah, I want to hear how this how this situation ended. So, so how did you handle it? Well, I paid for two, but I was like, Did you pay? Yeah. Oh, damn. Well, no, because I'm not going to be that guy that's super annoying. But it was because it, it was already done. I said, No, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. I understand how this doesn't make sense. If I'm getting more coffee by ordering the amount that I wanted that you guys offer, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> You say you want a 16 ounce coffee and you give me eight ounces and I asked for 16 and you charge me more. <laughs> which which is pretty much how the game works. I mean, if you go to oh, any yeah. kind of bar, you know, like whatever bar, like in Luxembourg, for example, if you go to a bar in Luxembourg in the evening, and you want to have a drink. So you mm. get like those big ass pint glasses, but you get yeah. a bottle that is that big, right? Yeah. Like tiny. And you're always like, how does that even fit? And then yeah. they come with like an entire glass full of ice and you're like, oh, so this yeah. is why it actually fills mm. up, right? Yeah. It's, it's like the marketing behind. It's like, yeah. so pay more, is, have less. This is 10 and a half ounces of no ice and it's 270. Bro, but it's it's so in, it's so interesting. How how and when did you turn from normal coffee over to cold brew? Because I think I, I've maybe tried one time in my entire life cold brew and I it's found just, it weird. It's just stronger. So Bro, I, I'm... I'm also, I'm always getting cold brews. I'm never getting hot coffee. You guys are weird. So it's, <laughs> call me weird, but I'll drink it till I die. <laughs> and I also know how to drink where it doesn't stain my teeth. Because that's another big thing. What do you mean? Yeah, it by using stays. a straw. A lot of people, when they drink it, they suck it through their front teeth. So you just got to kind of pour exactly. it. Exactly. And you pour it in below your teeth. Yeah. Damn, I'm learning or some physics over here. Is, but this is another reason why why also cold brew is better because you can drink it with a straw. And if you drink it with a straw, it's also not going to um, defend your front tooth yep. too much. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Teeth. Sorry. Damn. So da Daniel Dishu, the, the, the cold brew man. Yes. I like Bro, that. I, like, it's, it's, it's literally crazy how every single time we talk, like even yesterday... Randomly talking to you again after like a month. First thing I hear is like, "Yeah, can I get a big cold brew for my mom and for myself?" You know, <laughs> ordering some cold brew, man. Definitely the the best best thing. But what I wanted what I wanted to get into because and we had like a very interesting conversation that I want to bring up again just before mm. we we press the record button for like the fifth time mm. um, was that Felix asked the question. Do you do you want to do you want to ask the question again because you did it with like a very authentic darker voice. Maybe you go for it again. Of course. Of <laughs> course. And by the way, the recording button is already pressed. I know. And I'm happy for so, that. Finally. So, okay. <laughs> okay. Very good. So I just, I just throw this, threw this question into the, into the round. If you would have the chance to go back to another century, would you? Yes. But what? <laughs> you said that. <laughs> 
but like cent- century, century is like for me, for me a hundred years, right? So if we're talking about eighties, nineties, that's not really a century for me. When you're talking century, I'm like eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds era, like a yeah. different era. Era, okay, eras, eras better than good. Yeah, so I I would, um, but kind of like how I was saying before, I would want to go to whatever era I went to without the knowledge that I have now. Ooh. As far as not knowing, like. So, for example, let's say I pick the 1300s, right? I don't want to know that cell phones exist. I don't want to know that cars exist. I don't want to know that anything like that exists because that would stunt my ability to experience the era that I was living in. Would you would you would like to, would you like to take your wisdom with you or really leave everything behind when it comes to knowledge? The thing that I would like to I would like to um, assume is that the wisdom would still be there, but with different parameters. Mm-hmm. So in that era, you know, the, the other thing too is my wisdom now would be considered audacity then because my wisdom is based on yes, absolutely. what I know now. So what I would want to do is I would want you would, to- you'd, You would be crazy. They yeah. would call you crazy. They wouldn't would, even believe you. I would be okay with knowing the future 700 years down the road but I would want to be wise for my era. Mm-hmm. So that would have to come from being born in that era without any previous knowledge. So if I were to go and relive in another era, I would want to be stripped of everything I know. Every, every, Why everything, would you not yeah. go back with the knowledge? Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming many, many people, and this is also what I thought first, mm-hmm. uh, I would go back and it's a big, big benefit to know how the future is going to go like. You can, I'm always thinking the investments you could have taken. Right. Um, I'm thinking about every, everything. So, so uh, you, you're straight up set. I don't want to have the same knowledge. Mm. Why is that? So I think that for me, again, let's say I'm in the 1300s. What could I do with the knowledge from now? Because nothing exists to make my knowledge manifest then. Yes, true, true, true. And you would be sad. You probably right. would be not But happy. Imagine knowing that if I were to be alive another 700 years, I'd be able to experience all the things I knew. But imagine living your whole life knowing what is possible and never being able to do anything about it because it's not at your tangible, like you don't have access to it. And moreover, imagine the standard of living that you're having right now and you would have yeah. to reduce your standard of living. Like if you're yeah. looking right now, we're all chilling in our hoodies, in yeah. our apartments with lights, with whoa, heating whoa, on. Whoa. The clothes. 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 I was wearing a sheep or something. Ima- ima- imagine like if you, if, did you ever had like a bad holiday where you went to a hotel and you didn't get what you paid for? Like you, yeah. you had like super bad service. Like, you know, we all know that kind of feeling when you're paying for like a three to four star, but you're getting a one star even less, right? It's a horrible feeling, but imagine you, you are being thrown into the pits in the 15th century, no heating. You have mm-hmm. a single candle in your room. There's the smell of piss the moment you, yeah. you walk outside is like a completely, it's a shock. It's a culture. I'm talking about cell phones, <laughs> you know, like that. I don't want to be, I wouldn't want that to be the case. I would exactly. want to, yeah. because the type of wisdom you would acquire would be so intuitive then because there's no real predictions you could, you could make, because think about how many predictions we make based off of the movies we've seen or the media or articles we've read. There's no such thing as that. So wisdom now is just being aware of what's out there 
and everything's out there. So wisdom is just seeking. Mm-hmm. Whereas then I believe that wisdom was experiencing you had like, and even in the show Vikings I'm watching now, you look at one, one of the guys that built their boats and, uh, what, what? you, you, you're watching Vikings right now. Yeah. All right, I, I, don't, I don't really care if this is life right now, but bro, you're on for a hell of a ride. That's actually my I favorite know, my favorite series, bro. I absolutely love it. Yeah, so I'm so annoyed. But anyway, <laughs> guy, and he just, so when he builds their boats, I'm like, this guy literally looks at a tree and sees a boat. Yeah. And then he looks at a tree and sees a climbing device to breach the walls of Paris at the time. But you got to keep in mind the person that you're talking to is called Floki and he's a little bit woo-woo up there, but as well a genius right. at the same point, you know? <laughs> he's woo-woo. The thing is, people would look at him now and be like, he's not that wise because all he could do is take a tree and turn. But I'm like, for then, to, to know, you give me any person now, like, and granted the education's different and stuff, but he did what he did with no education by just doing it. Mm-hmm. Imagination. I, you build a boat i saw it in my head and i built it mm-hmm. with, with a with a, a tools that i built you know like <laughs> i think that kind of what i was talking about before is there's this blindness and kind of a lack of appreciation for how far we've come you know where mm-hmm. we look at how they used to live where it's like hey i don't like you all right i'll kill you <laughs> hey, this village looks better than ours. Let's go take over it. Like, think about that. Ooga, ooga. <laughs> That's just raid, man. Yeah, and and so and then oh, this is my wife, but you can have her because we want to be royalty, and that's just the way things are, you know. And so I think that that's why I would go back to an when I went back to an era, whatever it was. And and honestly, there's a couple I'd like to live in. Mm-hmm. Same, uh, but. I think to be able to live in that era, growing up in it and develop the kind of wisdom needed to get through that era or that time that I was alive, because my wisdom now wouldn't really get me through those times because it wouldn't be relevant. I would be a dreamer and I could be a philosopher and a conspiracy theorist for that time, but it wouldn't (laughs) guide me through, it, it wouldn't give me what I needed at that time to be A, relatable and B, to be just you know what I'm saying? Just to have uh, the kind of wisdom needed to get me through that time because my wisdom now, you know, I'd like to think I have wisdom. It's what I need to get me through now. Whereas if I had this knowledge, then it wouldn't do anything. It would just be mm-hmm. not at all a bunch of, stuff, you know, not, not, not at all. And I, I totally agree with you because I would say you made, you made a good point there. You made a good point there that the knowledge we having or that we would take is re- relatable to our stage that we're living in right now it's technology social media whatever is happening now and looking back into history but if you would be dumped into like the 1500s 1400s even earlier maybe the times of socrates aristotle like the old greeks like you you would be dumb in their eyes because you do not know you do not have their knowledge or yeah. the, the the ideas that were given on or passed on because we just have to rely on our knowledge that we learn from history and from our personal development journey right yeah. um yeah. Question for both of you. So actually, Felix, if you ask me as well, I, I would agree with Daniel's Daniel's answer. If there would be a time where I would love to live, it would either be in the old Egyptian times or in the old philosopher's times, like the golden ages. Like I would love to mm-hmm. live in them. But like question to both of you to go a little a step deeper into that. 
from your historical knowledge, no matter when it is, no matter who we're talking about right now, who would be, what kind of person would you love to encounter and have a conversation with? And what would you talk about? Well, that's a great person? question. Go ahead, Felix. <laughs> I, need to think well, I don't have a straight up answer. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe let me give my answer first. Cause I, I've been, I've been thinking about it quite a lot and I've been uh, always dreaming from time to time of those philosopher circles, you know, like the mastermind circles. I would love, love, love to have grown up in like the, or have a conversation, a round table with philosophers such as Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, and just get sure, into the heads sure. and talk about their way of seeing life and looking at life. You know, the stoic way, how the school system have been built, Plato's uh, theories of the cave theory of that, you know, energy and light is what our being is. They had those ideas 3000 years ago and we're coming up with them now. You know what I mean? Like those were the people that I would love to sit together with. And another one would definitely be uh, Marcus Aurelius. Because he, in my eyes, very, very interesting and knowledgeable person that knew much, 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 much more than any other person in his epoch. His meta, his meditations, bro, are amazing. it's very deep. Yeah. All right. So I have, I have mine. I think I agree with you, Tim. Um, I'd also really like to talk to Alexander the Great. Mm, beautiful. You know, considered one of the one of history's most successful military commanders. You know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Strategic. Yeah, and he built and leadership. Yeah, one of the biggest, he had one of the biggest empires in the world, and yeah. so I think I would just because think about this. The other thing too, in living in another era, the amount of strategy you had to know to be able to actually conquer a city, the amount of variables you had to consider. Yeah, without Google in play, without yeah. a phone, without no, any kind yeah. of research, nothing, no guns. You just you have to be so precise. And so the fact that he was like an undefeated commander and mm-hmm. just had this vast expanse of land that he conquered, I would just ask him his process and how he, and, and the other thing too, is when you have that kind of power, you have to have some sort of intuition on who you can trust and how long to trust them. Because that was another big thing is you would create allies for a certain amount of time and then you would turn on them. hundred percent. So, and, uh, I mean, you look at in Vikings, right? You have King Eckbert and King Horik and Jarl Borg and all these people, and they would just turn on each other when it makes Spoiler, sense. spoiler, spoiler, spoiler <laughs> for everyone that hasn't seen it. Spoiler. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and so, yeah, I would love to just talk to him and, and just ask him about his, his process. And then I would love to talk, talk to, uh, Aldous Huxley. Um, Ooh, why? Who's that? Interesting. Uh, he Who's was that? the author of 1984. I believe mm-hmm. he was Ooh. Hold on. No, 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 no. There no, was no. somebody George else. George Orwell. Yeah. Uh, that was George Orwell, right? Yeah, yeah. World, I think. We talked about this in one of our training episodes even before we launched this podcast. Yeah, so I'll just actually wrote Brave New World. I was getting those two switched up. Beautiful but um, he just wrote about, you know, a futuristic world state. Um and if you read Brave New World, I don't want to give it away, but it's just very, it's very interesting. And to have that concept in 1930, uh, you know, because I would love to talk to like the very old philosophers and then uh-huh. the ones kind of coming up that are still relatively within our century, mm-hmm. you know, 1930s only 90 years ago. Yeah. You know, and so he had this very 
futuristic new world kind of thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I would, I would like to talk to him and I'd also like to talk mm-hmm. to George Orwell. Ah, th- those men already knew so much before our time has even arrived, you know, like mm-hmm. 2020, whatever is happening in the world right now. And there are certain people that have predicted everything. I mean, Simpsons, let's start with the Simpsons. The Simpsons have pretty much Damn. predicted everything Matt, <laughs> that has ever that's happened. The guy, Matt, Matt Groening, Matt Groening. Bro, crazy visionary. Crazy, crazy and visionary. a visionary, you know? So it's like a genius yeah. in disguise. I absolutely love it. And there's so many other yeah. episodes, so many other TV series that are just the same, giving information about what's going to happen or like way before it actually happened. But Felix, to you, yeah, who will be your person, your people to meet? Yeah. Okay. So... I kind of want to talk to a person who also gives me more understanding about the present and the future. Um, this was what I was thinking about first, like also uh, Daniel said, like a George Orwell mm-hmm. or um, the other guy. Uh, I don't remember his name. Um, and then when you t- talked about Plato and Socrates, um, I get to also, of course, wanting to understand more about that. Because that also gives you more understanding about us, about um, how the, the people and uh, general philosophies and stuff. But thinking about a person that give me more information for the future, I would maybe go into uh, and talk to Nikola Tesla mm. um, and understanding his ideas and because he was really misunderstood. Mm-hmm. But but so were other people who knew about things that really going to happen. So yeah, maybe this guy to also know what where to invest in what what technologies to invest in because there is things to happen that he might might already knew and uh, also Alexander the Great definitely yeah. i was reading a book about uh, from robert green who's also a big guy on leadership 48 laws of power oh, well, uh, big one I, I think also um uh books books about like levels of leadership i think mm-hmm. and there's also a book uh, mastery by him right now yeah uh, mastery yeah and the book called 33 strategies of war to of war right and he's also talking a lot about alexander the great so yeah i was reading that and i was fascinated so might be also a pick mm. and talking about simpsons man This this series is fa- fascinating. It is it is not just kind of uh, an, an oracle for some things. Yep. It also it also is super super funny, but also critic um, towards politics, towards society, and it's something that I watched as a young boy mm-hmm. with my dad, and still watching right now. Mm-hmm. He, like for you, Daniel Felix is really the Simpson guy. You know, like every single time I arrive at his place and they're having, <laughs> they're having lunch or dinner, it's always like a, an episode of Simpson running. So I'm just sitting down, and I think the only times, like within the last seven years, that I've watched Simpsons was with Felix. You know, really? so <laughs> yeah, it's a great show. It's 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 a great show for sure, man. It's it's a lot of humor. It's comedy. It's fun. It's super. Sometimes just senseless. Sometimes you know when we're doing yeah, something like pff, it's super nice, man. Yeah, it's super super nice. It's like one of those shows you can kind of turn your brain off. Yes. It's like super consistent. They're, they're, they're here for three, 30 years, I think. Mm-hmm. 30 years guy. consistent content. A little newer. Family Guy's huh? the same. Family Guy's kind of the same. I don't yeah, think yeah, they've around as long as the symptoms, but it's, it's very similar um, controversy and comedy and kind of one of those shows you can just mentally 
leaves and and it's just like cla- clapping clapping <laughs> how, we, how do we get to family guy <laughs> yeah. uh, bro it's, it's like a continuous and continuous thing you know we're going from one spot over to the next one over to the next one over to the next one daniel by the way burger or pizza depends on the day my brother cold brew, <laughs> cold brew. <laughs> the, the answer will be cold brew. cold brew i can make cold brew into a patty no i'm just kidding um bro that yeah. would be that would be market cap yeah, it depends. And I'm not even going to describe my burger or pizza to you guys since you're both vegan. I don't want to gross you out. I think I think he, you you met, both I think he mentioned the burger pizza. Oh my god, I've seen I've, bro, I've seen something like that already before. They have it here in Germany as well in like the in the in the frozen uh, thingy. They have like burger pizzas. It's literally two patties and it's like frozen, so you can heat it up in the oven and you can stick them together and it's literally pizza. Yeah. Uh, See, I try to stick I try to stay away from frozen food like that. Yeah. Definitely, if it's called burger pizza. Yeah, I you, don't know about you, man, but mm. now you could take burger toppings and put them on a pizza. That's a whole different story, you know. So, like, I could take cheese <laughs> and ground beef and jalapenos and onions, and uh, that's pretty simple. Throw it on there. Throw it on a crust. Call it a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, but yeah, man, I absolutely love how we're getting back, like, on a second conversation. I remember, bro, it's been we're getting close to the end of the year. Like we're two weeks, we're actually three weeks away now from the new year, literally 19, 19 days until uh, New Year's Eve, right? Mm-hmm. We, when did we get on our first call? Our first ever call that we had, the first episode we recorded in May, June, yeah, I believe it was. It was. It was the week after my birthday, I think. Or no, it two was, weeks after my birthday. Yes, right. It was like, we congratulated you even for your birthday, bro. That was like six, seven months ago. Time passes so, so fast if you think about it. Like this entire year 2020. Um, Very fast. Bro, and it's not even it's not even stopping, right? We still have 19 days. So who knows what's going to happen to those monolithic structures that are popping up everywhere. Maybe we're going to get visitors from above. Like who knows, bro? This, this year was so interesting, man. So, so interesting. I would say a year of massive growth for each and every single one of us. Um, yep. Definitely a year of greatness. I would yep. definitely not call this year um, a year where we had to take back. Actually, we had to lean back to charge up, to energize, and be able to crush goals even harder now coming to the beginning of the new year, man. So what would you say was your biggest take from this year? Because now we're actually like at the end of the year, so you have a much, much better um, reflection span to go over. Two weeks. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just plugging in my laptop. Um, yeah, so my biggest takeaway of the year, gosh, I don't even know if there's just one. I think it's just another perfect example of no matter how much you think you know or no matter how much you think you know what's going to happen, you really have no idea. Mm-hmm. And there's this, there's this innate human desire to have control and to know what's going to happen. And I think that often blinds a lot of people from seeing what's actually happening because they see it through a desired lens rather than an actual lens. And so I I'm think going to use this moment right now because Dan has I a beautiful frozen is, face. You know, even and it started with Kobe in January, right? So ah, Kobe dies. That is wonderful. And then, um, oh, okay, that's Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Daniel is having some technical Whoa, did, you just, did you screenshot this? Yeah, of course I did, bro. Okay, I'm also getting one for me. I will <laughs> definitely take that one. We're gonna Jeez. we're gonna keep it for the next birthday, man. Hello. Oh, and now he's talking super fast. 
No, I think I think when the moment he changed room, this is where the connection broke. I didn't change. Ah, Mister D. Schuler is back in the hood, is he? I don't know if he's back in the hood. I am. I didn't change. No, I didn't change room. <laughs> he's. Yay! Laptop. That's super weird. And now, I can hear myself double. Can you guys hear me? Yes, yeah. much much better. So yeah, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't change rooms. I plugged in my laptop because it was about to die. But what was the last thing you heard? Humans have this innate thing of predicting the future and wanting to to control. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So so yeah. So humans have this innate desire to have control and to want to know what's going on naturally, right? I would, I understand why that's a desire because it's a protective service that we have for ourselves. But what happens is. When you live through a predictive lens versus an actual lens, um, it blinds you from the adjustments that are currently needed versus the changes that you wish you could make. And so then what you do is if you live through a predicted lens, um, you, you basically do things and say things that match your narrative rather than are actually relevant to reality. And so what I learned this year is you know, I can't control anything. <laughs> Obviously I knew that before. Um, but I think now the only thing I can control is how I take care of my body, how I cultivate my mind and how I communicate with other people and how I help other people communicate with themselves. And so that just became a way more present thing. And I think that it was a really big wake up call for everybody that everything is, is finite. You know, everything is fickle. Um, the thing that is eternal is our soul, which is a whole other con conversation, but for us on this planet, um, I think there was this disconnect between the reality of how finite we are as, as mankind and how quickly we can have everything stripped away from us. Because what I was talking about in the last episode, our identity, right? Look at how look at how quickly our, our country was shut down. They, they shut down the whole country within two weeks. It's and crazy, then it's on, on government parameters for nine months. Nine months. In a snip, in a blink of an eye, literally. An eye, and you have people who finally, you know, they finally got their green cards. They finally started their business. They finally immigrated, whatever the case may be. They finally got married. They finally started school. All these different things that it was, you know, that like this year was supposed to be the year for a lot of people. Bro. You know, 20 a year, it's a new millennia or, or a new decade. You know, we're starting that, not a new millennia. It's a new decade. We're starting strong. And out of the gate, the first thing that happens is Kobe dies. <laughs> <laughs> the Literally, man. And then from then on, it just has been downhill, downhill, downhill. And so I Yo, think- Kobe died starting this year. I think it was February, no? January, March? January yeah. even. Bro, there was literally every single so month, every single month, there was something different this year. Yeah, it happened in February. I can't remember what it was. COVID started. No, COVID Simpsons started. predicted it. Kobe Bryant, yeah, Kobe Bryant died January 26th. Wow, bro, that's so long ago. In LA. But it, it seems so, 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 so near. Yeah, I, I was in LA when it happened, and I just remember I was with my buddy Cody, and we were just driving around. And the roads were blocked off and people were painting murals and everywhere you go, there's a mural of Kobe and Gianna. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was crazy. And then, you know, a month and a half later, I left LA. <laughs> it's just, it, it, the other thing too is how, you know, and I'll repeat this again, but it's how quickly things can happen. You can never 
be fully prepared. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing is people try to fully prepare for things and you can't because part of the preparation is reactivity and adjustment when the thing comes mm-hmm. and for your mind essentially. But even then you, you can only prepare your mind for what you think will happen. And then the thing happens and it's not like, and if you're stuck to your thought process, you're not going to be able to adjust accordingly because you'd rather follow the narrative that makes you feel better about yourself than look at the story that's being written in front of you. Right, 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 right. But I think this is this is one one of the biggest problems, as you're saying it. A lot of people lack adaptability. It's mm-hmm. like they're living the narrative and they're living in their own little cycle where I'm waking up, going to work, going back home, uh, eating with family, spending time with friends, maybe having a drink on the weekend and repeating over and over and over again. And now all of a sudden, this entire construct, we don't even know if certain bars, clubs will ever open again, right? Ever. Yep. And this entire construct is being thrown over the place. So I, yep. I can, I would definitely say adaptability and re- reactivity is like one of the biggest, biggest things to learn <clears throat> in, or to okay. take with into 2021. Yes, definitely. And I'm, I'm, I'm on the page that I'm saying that being able to adapt is a must. It is a must. 100%. You, It has never been more important to be able to adapt um, than right now. Yeah. But my question is, Because we are, we are three, we're adapted. We're making money online. We're using the social media world to connect. I mean, we're, we're sitting right here um, talking together, even though you are, I don't know, 10,000 kilometers away. Mm-hmm. So uh, everything that we do is pretty adapting. But now when the new traveling, the new world, the new, uh, the new normal started, um, traveling probably is only possible with the right pass with a um, vaccine pass or something. I heard strange things. How do we adapt to that? Do we now have to go with the main, with the stream? So I kind of feel that, that they want to make it um, even harder for people not wanting to go with the mainstream to adapt. What do you think and how do we do it? Let's, let's talk on that. That's a great, that's a great point. And again, you know, Just full disclosure, obviously, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a pathologist. I'm not a virologist. Me too. I yeah, have no idea. I think that um, we're just common people using common sense, you know. So yeah, and even and it's common and it's our perception of what common sense should be. True. So someone who's way smarter than us could look at our quote unquote common sense and be like, "These kids are stupid," right? Which I'm okay with. Hundred percent. Um, you know, but I think that one of the biggest things I noticed too is I look at some of the current events that have happened and I look at the articles that were written, the definitions that were changed, the discrepancies that happened, the, um, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? The the kind of the double standards and the, uh, why can't I think of this word right now? Hypocritical. There's just like mm-hmm. the, the kind of hypocrisy, right? And I'm like, okay, that's happening now. That had to have happened before. So then my first thought goes to when I was in high school and when I was in middle school, is the history that I was being taught history or is it the perception of the people that wrote those history books and that wrote those things? Because you look at, because here's the thing, 20 years down the road, our generation below us is going is, is gonna to be either doing the teaching, right? They're going to be doing the teaching and then these kids that are coming up that haven't been born yet that are going to be born 10 years from now. Is there, are they going to be taught history that's what 
actually happen or is it going to be taught based off of the opinions and the emotional state of the people writing it? You know what I mean? So mm, that's beautiful. The first thing that, that comes to my mind. Um, we will not know it. Probably, if we, exactly. if we don't find a way to live forever or for a few year, hundred years, maybe yeah. we find a way. I mean, there is still time. Mm. I would be down. Yeah, <laughs> because bro, it's 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 such a sensitive topic if you think about it. Like, there are so many grand lodges lodges behind these the history hist historical uh, points of how history right. has been shaped, right? How science, what science yeah. says. It's like big, big, massive boards that right. are overruling and setting the the foundation of what is being taught, what is being implemented, and what's right and what's wrong, right? And yeah. that pretty much, yeah, has to be yeah, left by us. Yeah, not to cut you off, but I think the sad thing is it's, none of it should be a sensitive topic. The only no. thing that makes it sensitive is our emotional response and our emotional connection to our narrative. So it's like people think that acknowledging an opinion means you have to, that means that I accept your opinion as reality. It's not the case. Like I explore everything because it's potential, mm -hmm. right? Whether it, whether or not it's probable, it's a possibility. So it's like, I have a hundred scenarios running through my head every day. Some people, they're like, oh, that would stress me out. I'm like, but I know all of the potentials and I'm not making decisions based off of those potentials. I'm like, if this happens, I'm ready. I don't want to be blindsided. Exactly. So I watch the meet people like, oh, I don't watch mainstream media. I watch mainstream media. That way I know the general thought process of the majority. And then I go do my own research. So then when people from mainstream come to me asking me my opinion, I'll say, yeah, I knew that. Also, did you know this? Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like I watch mainstream and I, I look at things that are controversial in my opinion because that gives me the majority, th that, that gives me the sort of the door into what the majority is thinking because that creates relatability. So instead of me saying, I don't watch mainstream media, someone who watches mainstream media isn't going to want to talk to me. Got you. Got you. Like, your opinion is only based off of what you watch. I'm like, well, if I watch what you watch and also added this, then it's their responsibility to decide whether or not they're going to look at what I looked into as well. And even there, and even there, you have political channels that are very polarizing into a certain direction. Yeah. So you, you as a, you know, as your profession, you're a coach. You know, yeah. you as a coach, you as a human that wants to communicate on a relatable basis, you yeah. need to go through both sides to have that relatability. And to actually see the polarization on each side to make, you know, ends meet in a conversation. Mm -hmm. And and as far as, you know, Felix was talking about the vaccine. Um, here's the thing that just is interesting to me. The general amount of time it takes to create a vaccine is what? Five to 15 years, maybe five to 10 years. The we fastest, I think, was like two or three years. For viruses that we know. And things that we know now, this virus that people have said we've never seen before, this is a different strand, this and that. Now, all of a sudden, we have a vaccine ready in nine months. And first of all, and, se and second of all, that vaccine is based off of the first round virus that has adopted and mutated into so many different things and different yeah. other ways. So, eh. And I think, and I think. So here's the thing, and, and people that are listening to this, I'm not anti-vax or pro-vax or whatever you want to call it. I'm just pro-health and awareness. And I think that um, the thing that really drove our country into the ground was not the data, was not the virus. It was the narrative that was portrayed by everyone. And I think that the mistake being made in the political side was 
pretending that they always knew what was going on. And they, you know, they did say things like, you know, we don't know the extent of what this could reach and this and that, but then they would so confidently and so boldly make these decisions and then so confidently and so boldly revoke those decisions two weeks later. And then so confidently and so, so if the narrative would have started like this, and again, I'm not a politician, I'm not saying this would have made it better, but it just would have been interesting to see the reaction. Hey guys, <laughs> there's a new virus we found. Um, it's, it's, it's worse than the flu. If you're already vulnerable, stay home. We don't really know what's going to happen, but we're going to figure this out together. We have our best people on it and we're going to do our best to keep you updated with the actual facts and the actual data. And, you know, again, be, be smart, be responsible. We trust in us citizens, you know, whatever. And again, people be like, Oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't think that'd be a good idea. But I just think that the narrative was so skewed, so aggressive and so sensationalized from the beginning. Um, I remember I heard people and, and, even some reports and stuff saying this could kill 200 million people. Bro, and I just looked up the worldwide deaths and it's 1.6 million. And I'm not saying that that's not a lot because that's 1.6 million people that are dead. But compared to what we were told in the beginning, it there's just some things that don't align. But the thing is, you got to understand, <clears throat> you can have control, not control, but what's what's the nicer form of control? You can have influence over people through two different ways. Number one, being through empathy, empathy and compassion. Number two, being through fear. Yep, exactly. So fear, fear, fear it's, 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 fear, it's fear marketing, it's fear modeling, and fear because as you're touching so many pain points, we're not talking about, you know, you're getting a bad, bad diarrhea, you know, when, when you're having COVID. You know what I mean? Wow. It's like, it's being said, like, your family is going to die. Right. Everyone right. you love is going to die if you don't take it. Like there's so many pain points touch. And again, for myself as well, I, I have been respecting the rules. You know, I have been respecting the rules for most of the time. Um, I'm, I'm just finding it like so obscure and so absurd that it's being portrayed in a way. Um, I mean, yearly per year, per annum, there are more than 3.7 million people dying by the flu worldwide. Mm -hmm. 3.7 yeah. million people dying worldwide. Right. Yeah. And, right and now I, we're at 1.5 for yeah. COVID. Yeah. And I think the hard part is like, and I don't want any, again, because I'm just keeping in mind that we're going to have people listening to this. I don't want anybody to think that we're insensitive to people that have gotten it, of course. died, whatever, of course. because it is a virus and it does kill people, right? It's just the numbers and the rates and everything um, for the precautions that are being taken. Uh, it's just very interesting to me. The other thing that's interesting, I was watching, uh, I'm also watching a show called The Crown. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's with uh, how Queen Elizabeth came into power. Mm, beautiful. Got to check was, that out. Yeah, it was the great, uh, it was the great blackout of 1952. From December 5th through the 9th, there was so much smoke in the air from the chimneys. Uh, they couldn't see. It was one yard of visibility for four days. And um, there's a scene where a woman's in the hospital and she's asking a doctor, do you need more masks? Do you need more equipment? And the doctor literally goes, masks are useless. They give the people a perception of safety. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying mm -hmm. that is about COVID. I'm not saying, you know, whatever, but I just think it's interesting that, um, because there's, there's been so many, you know, the mask is like one of the biggest folk talk, talking points, like wear a mask or don't wear a mask. And there's people that are like masks are stupid and whatever. And, you know, then there's science that shows that masks are worthless. And then there's science that shows that, you know, it has to be a certain kind of mask and this and that. And so the fact that there's so much 
writing on a piece of cloth that goes over your face. Mm-hmm. The fact that that is being the cause of so many talking points on the media and riots and stuff. And I mean, I just saw a video yesterday. There was a family who had a two-year-old daughter. Okay. Two-year-old daughter. They're on a plane. They recorded the whole thing. And the parents are wearing the mask and the two-year-old daughter won't put on a mask. She can't. She's like crying and screaming. She's two. Okay. It's a choking hazard, first of all, for a Mm -hmm. two-year-old. Also, there's no data that shows that kids that age can receive it or pass it on. Right. So, the the dad there's a video of the dad holding the kid and he's like he has a cloth on the baby's face essentially not suffocating his kid but he's like trying to show that he's making an effort and the steward comes over to him when they land and he's like i'm gonna have to ask you to leave the plane and they're like what are you talking about and he's like well there's a no tolerance policy for masks and they go we're both wearing a mask and my daughter is two years old and she's crying and she can't put it on And I'm literally trying to cover her face. They're like, we're going to have to ask you to leave. They leave the plane. They ban the couple from United Airlines forever. And they were were silver premier holders, members. Because their two-year-old wouldn't wear a mask. Oh, wow, bro. I know that's not the majority, but the fact that that is something that is not only happening, but allowed, it's no longer about the health at that point. It's crazy. It's useless. Uh, not, I'm not. I'm also not saying the mask is useless, but this whole this whole um, scream that is put on the media and everywhere yeah. is is too. It's just, it is absurd. People feel better. Yeah, yeah. Feel better. But back to the question. Back to the question. Um, we um, good, good points, but we we rifted off. We wanted to uh, give give. Uh, I wanted to really find out together with you guys. Uh, what is now the 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 real cure to still be on your run to freedom or uh, being free? And uh, I'm maybe just going to start with my point. I'm going to pass it over to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talking about how to adapt, since adapting is super important nowadays, there's a saying that 500 years ago, um, the, the strongest survived, um, which is true, might be true. 200 to 100 years ago, the smartest survived. If you got education, if you knew something, if you learned a craft. And nowadays, it's the one who adapts the most. So how to adapt? And I feel and uh, I kind of my, my kind of thought on that is it's really not being too much distracted. So being aware about the facts, knowing how everything is done, being also respectful. But on the other side, not letting this fear um overrule you decrease decrease your level of freedom mm-hmm. because there there are still like we're like people who adapt to the social media uh online income uh and making themselves independent they're on a great way mm-hmm. and also traveling there are still ways to travel mm-hmm. most people are just too um what's the english word for demut tim they're too afraid uh, like too, afraid kind of, yeah. yeah too afraid kind of too afraid but why afraid why, why should we be afraid hmm. because we're told to be having this <laughs> yes that's the narrative still adapting. yeah and I agree with you and I think that my answer honestly if I'm being real I don't know I don't know what adaptability is going to look like I don't you I, don't we don't even know what freedom is going to look like anymore no. and yeah. I think the hardest part is from an American 
point of view, um, there's a lot of fear that our constitution is going to be changed and like not taken away, but just we're going to get some rights. And, and then the argument is, well, the constitution is rooted in a certain mindset of how our country was founded. So there's, that's a whole, that's a very sensitive topic of there's people in America that are scared of their constitutional rights being taken away. And then there's another group in America that's saying, well, your constitution is rooted in evil. So why would you want to hold up a constitutional rights from an evil constitution? So, hmm. The thing that's hard is by to each point of view, by believing in the Constitution, you're already part of the problem. And then there's the other point of view, by not believing in the Constitution, you're part of the problem. So there's this clash and there's no there is no graciousness. The thing that has been lost, I think, and I'm guilty of it too, you know, because I'm I'm a I'm a very convicted person. When I believe something, I believe it wholeheartedly while also being open to hearing other people's opinions. There are obviously times when I'm very uh, adamant about defending my viewpoint, um, which, you know, as, as one would. But I think that there's no, there's no more grace for people on the other side, whether they're on, on the right or the left. And that's the other thing is, is this perception of duality where it's either this or that, right? And I think I talked about this in the first podcast, but there's so many truths that can exist at the same time. And to, be not, and to not believe that just shows a certain level of ignorance where you care more about the protection of the story you're telling yourself than, you know, seeing what's actually going on around you. And um, I think that part of adaptability is noticing your emotional state change when certain new things are introduced to you. So one thing made you feel a certain way 10 years ago, it makes you feel a different way now. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Right? When I look at, um, you know, women now versus when I was 15, I think a little bit differently. You know, when I look at, uh, when I, even when I look at money now, I think of it differently. So it's like your, your adaptability is understanding the way you think about things and where that stemmed from. And if it's actually your perception, because another thing is a lot of people think they believe things because it's their belief. When in reality, they subconsciously believe it because they saw someone else that they respect, believe the same thing. And that's enough. And it's not enough. It has to be your own conviction. Because if you live your life with a series of beliefs and rules from someone that either isn't aligned with you or isn't you, because you know yourself better than anyone. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know myself better than my parents know me, right? Because no matter how much I tell them, no matter how much they've seen me grow up, they can't see what's in here, right? And so the adaptability is being able to understand how your thinking changes and how that affects your actions and how, do they, how that affects your environment and how that affects people around you and and knowing when your behavior is radical or not so there's like in in America right now there's this extreme of like you're either anti-vax pro-gun pro you know racist pro this or you're the exact opposite right, right? duality so extreme you're duality all right or you're on the far left and if you're in the middle you don't know what you're talking about yeah you know what I mean? And so um, I think that it becomes difficult when there's no grace for understanding, like, if I was Tim, and I grew up as Tim in his country, with his religion or lack of religion, or his language, or whatever the case may be, I would be saying and believing and doing the exact everything that you're doing now. And I think that we lack that grace and that empathy. And it's not about that. Th- there are times to be right. And there are times to 
to be peaceful. And there's a time for it. It says it in the Bible. There's a time for harvest. There's a there's a time for sowing. There's a time for war. There's a time for peace. There's a time for silence. There's a time for talking. There's a time for laughing. There's a time for crying. And the adaptability is knowing when to do what. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I remember in the first conversation we had, you gave a brilliant example of holding a coin towards another person and explaining what is written on that coin. Each of us have like a different perception because we see different things based upon our pers- perception of what we see, but we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about the coin. So mm-hmm. I think at the end of it, this duality is just in German. In German has like a much better word. It's kind of like having a big flock, like something massively in between us as humans to separate us. So there is inequality. There is unbalance in our state on our planet. And mm-hmm. I, 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 tr- I truly believe that too. I truly believe that too, that the only way how we can find back is actually we sit at a table together and we start speaking the same language because we say that we're human. We say that we, you know, we might be international, but we're all at the, at the root cause humans. And we sh- should start speaking as humans, behaving as humans and actually trying to appreciate and understand each other as humans, not, not humans, yeah. humans, yeah. humans, yeah. not as far left, <laughs> not as far right, but as a person with a heart, with a soul, with a mind that wants to live on this planet just as much as the other person that is listening to this right now and who has just as many, uh, just as many rights, no matter where you're from, no matter what color you are, no matter, you know, where you're born, how you're born, we all have a right of being in this planet. And these are human rights that should never be taken from us because the moment you, you touch those human rights, you are becoming, you're losing the one thing that makes you, you human. Right. And what I are you think, without your humanity, you know? Right, right. And I think the, the hard part about that, even now, is the, the definition change of what it means to be human and the expectation of, of what it means to be human. Of and course. when man became machine, right, after the Enlightenment, uh, there's this roboticism about humanity that's sort of developed where it, we're just machines, you know, <laughs> like we go to work and we sleep and we party and we do all these things. And that's just quote unquote, the way things are when in reality, it's the way things we're making it. And I think, yeah, I, th- I think that if you asked, and this would actually be very interesting. If you asked like a thousand people what they thought it means to be human, you know, it's just such a, it's such a simple yet complex question. And you would find that their definition is often based off of what they think they know or what they've seen, not how they feel. But you know, the problem is, is that we will never be able to solve this issue with our, with, with our understanding. We would be, if, if, if you would take Felix Winkelmann, Tim Garrett Altenhofen and Daniel Schuler at the head of the world representing the world and actually sitting on a table and having this kind of discussion, you know, on a human basis, not, not basing it upon money, upon imperialism, upon like who has, who has, who has the bigger balls here and who has the bigger ding dong, you know, it's like, if it's not about that, but actually like, all right, what's the problem here? Let's talk problem. But this Mm -hmm. is not possible on a level of leadership that we're having in this world right now, because politics, I, I absolutely I got to watch out what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, I really got <laughs> so I'm going to rephrase. I am not in accordance with what is being depicted at the moment as real leadership 
and as people leading our countries, no matter which country it is, because they are doing it from a capitalistic standpoint and not from a social or human standpoint, right? It's right. all about who is better, stronger, bigger. And this is why I, I got to say, you know, America is taking a big part in that because it's mo mostly like who has the biggest balls over there in comparison to the other Our, side of the world. Like, yeah, just power, money and... Exactly. So if, if we would actually be able to have people who have a heart at that table talking, like having a mastermind with Socrates, Aristotle, it's, it's about more profound things of how bringing humanity forward rather than, you know, how much digger do we have to dig their own graves to dump mm -hmm. them in afterwards, you know? So right. I personally believe if we want to solve a problem, we can't start it from the bottom up. But we got to start something from the bottom and the top and meet somewhere in the middle because this is where it all needs to start. And personally, um, there were many, many people in history who have brought great things into action. We're talking Mahatma Gandhi. We're talking uh, Mandela. We're talking Martin Luther King. It's really one person or a group of people. Rosa Parks. Out. Rosa Parks. Those people standing up out of the crowds raising their voice and actually saying, hey, guys, wake the hell up. This is not what real life is supposed to be, bro. Like, this is why if I could, I would love to go back into history. I would love to live in the times of the old Greeks or the old Romans or the old uh, Egyptians. I don't care if I'm not going to have a phone, but at least there right. it's face to face. Right. So then I guess then what I would say is, okay, so then – you know, going back to adaptability, it's how do we bring that mindset to our era? So our, it's like, how do we, how do we be the Socrates and the Aristotle and the Plato and the, and the, you know, Mahatma Gandhi and, and how do we be those people? Like, how would that be received? How do we make that receivable to the people now? Because here's our gift, right? As you know, we're under 30 years old. We've, we've, and I think we're at such an interesting age because we're not young enough to be ignorant, but we're not old enough to be cynical. True. So we've lived the perfect amount of time between both eras. Like I grew up not no, like an iPhone didn't exist until no. I was in, I believe, eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. then, um, you know, and then Same all for me. started happening. Right. So, uh, but we, we didn't, you know, like I said, we're not so old that we're so stuck in our ways and not willing to, you know, we're not like 35, 40, 50, but we're not 15, 16, 17. Where we just kind of don't really know what's going on. Mm -hmm, no, mm -hmm. all, it's not their fault. And there are some, there are some 15, 16, 17 year olds who are am amazingly aware and they're aware of everything that's going on. And I give them all the credit and I don't blame the ones that aren't because it's just such a different generation. But I think if, you know, if we were to look back at the people we respect you know, like the people we've mentioned, and we look at how they acted and what they did in their era, what does that then look like adaptability wise for our era? Mm -hmm. It's changing, it's taking the principles of the people we respect and making them applicable to the era we're in and the generation we're in. And I think that our, our not essential responsibility, but it's bridging the gap between the knowledge we have and the ability that we think we have to help mm -hmm. and the general consensus and perception of how the public thinks, because there's this, 
I know a lot of kids my age who have this very elitist mentality where they're like, if you think this way, you're a peasant and you're a sheep and I think you're an idiot. And right, right, right. And like I said, there's a lack of graciousness where it's not that I know more or that I'm better or I have a better perception. It's that I've been exposed to things that have made me think this way and I'm going to expose them to you and you're either going to follow the way I think you're not and I'm not going to judge you as a person for you. I might disagree and I might think that, okay, you're missing out. But I think that what we need to do as 25, 26, 27 year olds who have so much to learn is we need to be willing to ask the questions that we already know the answer to in a way that doesn't make it seem like we're trapping people. Mm-hmm. Because I think what happens, and, and I felt this way a lot, even when I was an MLM, where I would be asked a question where I knew what the goal of the question was. And it wasn't to get an answer. It was to make me feel a certain way about the answer that I gave. Mm-hmm. Where it's Got like, you. oh, so, so you're saying you, you don't want to make money. It's like, well, of course not. But the manner in which you ask that question makes me feel a certain way. And then, like you said, it's like fear. There's two rulers, right? There's fear of faith. So when a a man makes a decision out of fear, and and I I heard this quote one time, and I can't remember the the entirety of the quote, but it was like, there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded man. And wounded meaning ego. Yes. And Mm -hmm. ego, ego being, please finish your sentence, but ego is like exactly the thing that I want to say, like what I believe is the roots, how we can solve this stuff. Please continue. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just, just like ego being, it's a ticking time bomb, man. You, one of the most dangerous man in the world is the man who's just had his heart broken or his ego tested. Yeah. And just to himself and others. And I believe, I think when it comes, if, if you're looking at everything that we've talked about so far, you know, what, what the, what one of the main roots problems could be is that ignorance is that people contesting against each other, showing who has the bigger balls, showing, you know, who, who has more power at the essence of it, whether you want to hear it or not, it's all about ego, that these people are people that are very selfish and ego driven rather than selfless and heart driven. And something that I teach to people, well, I don't really, you know, I, I wouldn't consider myself a coach. It's definitely something that I'm, as I'm still young, consider in the future, but something that I'm very, very good at and good with because i've in my last seven years i would say i've been spending a lot of time with myself talking to my ego and trying to understand what the roots of my egoness is when i'm standing in my ego and it's definitely being wounded and having problems unsolved and not resolved inside of you that definitely need attention and as you're not giving it attention you're trying to overlay it with um, what, what's the word? Compensation. Compensation mm-hmm. in the exterior. Meaning yeah. I am not happy. I was beaten when I was a child, right? Mm-hmm. I'm hurt. I don't have love, but hey, money makes me happy. Let's just get money. And let's just like be evil to the people because money is really only what I want, right? It's like the ego that is the big, big problem. And if you actually confront it, I think that long story short, my belief is, is that if you actually confront people with themselves, and actually make them learn more about themselves, where they're coming from, and what their biggest issue is that they have to resolve, they automatically have to switch. Because if they want to solve traumas, if they want to tr- solve problems inside of themselves, it's not possible with logic. It's yeah. not possible with ego. It, no. it is impossible. And this is why they have to automatically switch over to compassion, understanding, and a heart that yeah. everyone, even 
the most evil people out there possess, which I believe. Yeah, and it, and it blocks totally. those things block vulnerability, you know? And I think that yeah. you've got a really good point. One of the most important people you need to talk to every day is yourself, you know? Yeah. And, and I consider myself as, this is going to sound like I'm schizophrenic, but I consider myself <laughs> as multiple people. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, like, for sure, bro. I have, I have my ego, I have my spirit, I have, you know, and, 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 and the other thing is knowing what I'm capable of. Right. So a good example is, um, and not capable of as in like success wise, it's like mm-hmm. what I'm capable of doing as a human being. So I, I, you know, I'm very, very blessed. My parents have been together for like 30 years and, uh, I asked them, you know, wow. one of, one of the secrets, right. Because it's, mm-hmm. I don't meet a lot of kids that their parents are still together nowadays. And, and I believe, I believe that part of who I am is because I was so fortunate and, and blessed to have a very stable home growing up, you know, and I, I say that very humbly. I'm very careful when I talk about my family because my family dynamic is very special to me and it's very rare. And I, I talk about it so passionately. And so I don't want people to think that I'm saying it in a way it's like, Oh, look at my family. But I, it's, mm-hmm. it, I'm very fortunate to have my family be a, an example for certain things in my life. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I asked my parents, I was like, Hey, like what? Cause I want to get married. You know what I mean? I want to have kids. I want to, I I wanted to have kids. I don't know if I want to have kids now, (laughs) but anyway, like one of my life is to be a dad, right? Mm -hmm. How do you guys, how did you guys stay together? How did you guys keep together? And they were like, we never assumed that we wouldn't cheat on each other. And I was like, what do you mean? Because that's such an interesting thing to say. And they said, we live every day knowing that we're both capable of committing adultery because the second you think that you're not capable of something is the second that opportunity presents itself. And then you do. That makes so much sense. That one time, think about it. You're in a 30 year marriage, one time of adultery, that trust is gone forever. So they said, what, what helps us is knowing what we're capable of people uh, capable of as people not what we're not capable of because of our ego. Mm, so my ego says, I will never cheat on you. But my reality says I could cheat on you anytime I wanted to. And that's, and they said, that's one of the things that's kept us together among many other things, but they also were equally yoked. So equally yoked, meaning, um, you know, they had the same uh, beliefs, which is very important because when you're raising kids, imagine growing up in a household where one parent thinks one thing and one parent thinks the other and then the kid has the subconscious pressure of, okay, well, whatever belief I pick, that parent's going to like me more, but I don't want that. So now I'm going to believe my own thing. And then, you know, so it just creates this, this divide. Exactly. And so um, being equally yoked in marriage is very important, you know? So for me, my wife is going to need to believe in God, um, you know, because, and, and people might say, well, that's such a weird crime, whatever they want to say. I don't care. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Because there are times, bro, when for me personally, as, as me, as Daniel, all I can do is pray. There are, th- there are times when I don't know what else to do other than pray. And I want to be able to look at my wife during an argument, during a, a, a confrontation, during a decision and be like, Hey, let's just pray about this. And then her being like, yes, let's do that. And it doesn't change the situation but it changes the perception and the emotional dynamic of the situation. And that is almost as important, if not more important, right? Because 100%. when you change that perception of your environment and your situation, you see a new thing. It's like you, you, and it, and 
I love to see prayer like this. You close your eyes when you pray, right? For the most part, unless you're driving, which don't do that. Kids don't do that. And you close your eyes and you pray. And the second you're done praying, you open your eyes with the lens of the prayer you just prayed. So you change your, like your, your, as your eyes are closed and you're praying, the lens is being reshaped during the prayer. And by opening your eyes, you're seeing your world and your reality through the lens of what you just prayed about. That is, wow, that is deep, man. Yeah. That needs a second to sink in. And, and like for me, dude, there's sometimes that's all I can do. There's been times, bro, when I was living in LA, I'll just cry and just pray. That's all I had left. And then I would, my situation wouldn't change. And, and, uh, and then I would pray and just be like, all right, here we go. You know? And f- at some point things always turn out well and right. Cause most of the time. And even, even if they don't, yeah. You know, the thing is, that's another misconception of, you know, prayer and, and God and stuff. It's like, he doesn't, if God gave me most of the things that I asked for, I'd be a miserable person. <laughs> because oh, wow. I, can agree reasons, with that. I can agree with that. <laughs> because most of the reasons that I am the way I am is because of the things that he withheld from me and the things that, you know, he didn't, He's given me what I would have wanted had I seen his plan. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I asked for a certain thing or I asked for and it, I don't want it to. It's such a different and we could do a whole other podcast on. How my, like, and that's that's going to be part. That's going to be time for part number three. Yeah. In the new year. It's this, this perception of like, all right, I'm going to pray and everything's going to be better. And I'm going to pray because I want things to be better. And because God, I'm going to get this thing from God. And it's. It's not about praying to God that he would change your situation or he would give you what you want. It's praying for the discernment to get through whatever he has next. Mm-hmm. Because there's been times where I pray and it gets even worse. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, apparently this is what I need right now. Yes. And but- when it gets better, it's crazy because when you feel like it gets better, sometimes is when it's worse. Like I've had this weird situation mm-hmm. where where things will get even worse than they were and I'll feel more confident. It's it's bizarre. It's like the closer you get to success, the more people try to strip it from you and the closer you get to God, the more the devil tries to pull you away. And when you feel targeted, you know you're an asset. That's beautiful. That's beautiful because usually it's always that test that is being put in front of you on a plate and you have to pass it. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a kind of a, a play on words in Christianity where it's like your test becomes your testimony, you know? Beautiful. Beautiful. But I, I, I didn't, yeah, I I didn't even know that you're, that you're, um, so deep into religion and, uh, you're a big believer. Bro, Daniel, Daniel, for sure. Like I remember just, just to, just to quickly cut you off before, like I remember the first time we met was in, you know, 2016 when we met in Mexico and he was, it, it was in Mexico, bro. And you know, it was three European guys with like 50, nearly 60 Americans, American uh, young young guys and women. And, you know, he was the one who had like the big, the, the same necklace he's wearing right now. He's been wearing for the last four years. I met him with that necklace looking like the Hawaiian surfer boy. But I remember, <laughs> the, I remember the first conversation we ever had was actually about God. That was mm. the first conversation we ever had when we were sitting at a pool and you were introducing yourself to me. No way. Yes way. That's crazy. 
Yahweh. Yes, way, that way. Wow, that's crazy. I don't remember that. But it's 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 be- it's beautiful because at that point I was not <laughs> a believer. I mean, what what is a believer in the first place? I guess everyone everyone has. You weren't spiritually exploratory. I was not even. I was four months into my personal exploratory path, right? Like I have first time reading a book, bro. I've, <laughs> I've, I've I've just I've just finished my my second time reading Think and Grow Rich, right? That's the first like the first book I've ever read ever. That's the early stage. That's the early stage, bro. And I would I, I would actually love to, especially with you, Daniel, because I love you as a friend and I really love you as like a podcast partner because it's already been an hour again. Um, and we can just go for another hour easily because I didn't even touch on the second question I wanted to ask you in today's podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, is because I would love to have a conversation with you about God. Mm -hmm. I would love to for everyone that is a believer for everyone that's not a believer, but you know, it's all about looking at one coin and expressing your perception of that coin. That's all Mm -hmm. it is. I'm down. And I think, and I think to kind of address what Felix said, you know, it's not necessarily about religion, right? So if I had to pick a religion that I associate with, it's Christianity, right? Um, but for me, it's more personal relationship with God. So it's not about religion. It's about the relationship. Because what happens is when you look at religion, it's a, it creates sort of a box for the main source of your belief. So it's like, all right, if you're a Christian, you believe in God, and these are the things you believe about God because of Christianity. But that's kind of the start. And then when you really get into it, it's so much more about a relationship. And I can I can share, you know, I could share countless stories of interactions I've had with and and you know, when I say interactions I've had with God, where it's like, it's not like it's a Daniel, this is what I you know, like not none of that, but just <laughs> experiences that I've had. Um, events that have happened to me, you know, very strange things that I saw as answers to prayer. And then it just becomes, you know, like I treat him, he's my God, he's my dad, he's my guide, like, and, and he's my father. And no one's more important than him. My parents know it too. You know, like mm. I love you, I love you as much as I can, but I'll never love you as much as I love God. And my parents tell me, I will never love you as much as God loves you. You That's, know, so that is like, so beautiful. Yeah. And, and I think for me, that's, what's really, I mean, that's why I'm alive as a human, even, you know, like there's multiple times where I almost died and then I was suicidal when I was 15. And the thing that kept me alive was God. And so when I tell people to find a constant, it doesn't, it'd be cool if it was God, right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I encourage people, but I, I don't get to make that decision, but to have a constant where everything is falling down around you, but the thing that keeps you upright is your belief and your faith and, and whatever it is for me, it's God, right? That's the thing that we need right now. And I think that faith. everybody has a face, but very few people have a backbone anymore. Mm-hmm. And my, my backbone is nothing other than, than God, you know, like I can't bro. And I can't the things I do or say the things I say, like I don't take credit for anything, <laughs> you know, bro. Imagine, imagine. And I think this is where we're going to round up as well. This, this, uh, beautiful part two of our talk with daniel shushu dr shushu <laughs> i'm gonna call you like this forever i'm sorry bro it's just gonna stick but, my mom's dr schuler so oh that is super cool uh, we, we, we're just gonna call you dr schuler jr 
All yeah, right. there you go. Dishu Jew. Um, Dishu Jew. Well, <laughs> bro, but, but imagine, imagine this, and this is the thought which I want to leave. Well, obviously, it's a very utopic thought. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not even that far distant from reality. Who knows? But imagine from everything that we talked about right now, we know that we need someone to look up to that can hold us, us meaning the collective mm-hmm. humankind right now, by the hand and lead them towards the light, towards a better place, a better human, a better way of acting. Imagine imagine right now and i don't want to go too much into it where i actually don't want to go into it at all there are monolithic structures which are popping up everywhere on the world right now there are some in romania in germany in uh, in sedona and all around the world they're popping up and i heard i heard that those monolithic structures they are there to be able or to help us humans gather more light more energy to raise our vibration and prepare for something happening so a a utopic utopic thought thinking right this is as well again conspiracy theories however you want to take it but imagine that all of a sudden beginning 2020 or maybe christmas eve or maybe 31st there's a new race coming to the planet and all of a sudden they are telling us like you guys are fucking up we're going to take you by the hands and we're going to guide you to where you're going to go and just imagine yeah. how cool that would be if we would have something or someone to look up to that everybody could obviously see and not just say like, oh, no, 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 this is just like, oh, no, 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 COVID mask, blah, 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 you know, actually real. Mm-hmm. How cool would that be, right? I think it would be cool. But then I would ask the question, you know, if they say, you know, you're saying like looking up to someone and someone, a new race that leads us. It's like, why are you leading us here? Why is it that you want us to come here? And what gives you the perception that you think you have the authority and the influence to lead us in the right direction? And that's not challenging them. It's wanting to know their source of desire to lead us. Because the other thing too is um, essentially we're blindly led every day. 100%. Because, Because the reason that we are able to do the things that we do as we've seen is because of what we're allowed to do based off of the government. Mm -hmm. And we, the general population doesn't know enough about the government. I know I don't know enough. I know there's, there's enough that I know to where I know that I don't know enough. (laughs) Right. It's like, makes sense. You know, I'm the wisest man in the world because I know nothing. It's like, I've learned so much about politics this year that I know there's, I haven't even touched the surface. Um, So if there were to be, a new race that came in and said, Hey, we've been watching you for this amount of time. And this is what you guys need to do. I would say, cool. I agree. Tell me what your goal is, why you feel like you think I want to go here. And what is your structure of leadership? Makes sense. Because again, like the perception is very important, but there would have to be, yeah, and, and I think that to have a new authority in that manner, uh, and it's like the tro it's like uh, the Trojan the Trojan horse. Mm. You know? right. Um where you where you come in and it's a gift and we're like so we're like finally this war's over. Come inside our kingdom, come bring this gift is amazing, thank you so much. We all go party and we wake up and our city's being burned to the ground by the gift hmm. right and that's not being and that's you know that's not being cynical and that's not being um you know like uh well like, well think 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 about it this way at least it has then been burned to the ground by someone else and not our own kin 
you know what i mean <laughs> yeah but anyway i think i think this this is like this is time for part for another uh another episode that we're going to be probably putting out with you beginning of 2021 and i have to say bro i really really and it's so beautiful to have a guest like you with which you can just with whom you can just naturally flow for hours nonstop. Yeah. And I promise you, I promise you, once flying is possible and we find oh. our ways around flying without being vaccinated, um, <laughs> and you, you, we, we will Get fly. Get paddleboard and just <laughs> paddle out there. <laughs> exactly, bro. <laughs> it's a big pond you can try. We maybe meet you halfway. But yeah. I promise you, bro, the moments flights are possible we will probably have our studio here in luxembourg we're going to fly you over and we're going to sit you down for a three hour joe rogan experience what the passion experience with drinks with cigars with fun with videos with someone moderating maybe audrey maybe audrey is like checking up the videos that we're talking Mm -hmm. you know as in, in the same manner bro i cannot wait for that because i believe easily that we can fill hours of content together easy Perfect. So, Daniel, Let's go. thank you so much for your time. I'm actually going to leave the last words to Felix because I've been we've I've been talking too much over the last hour now. But <laughs> Felix, you're a great listener, <laughs> bro. That that's a skill you, everyone needs to learn as well, right? Listening, not only hearing, but listening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Take take. Okay. So I'll give you the last recommendation for the day. Take a look into the book "How to Win Friends and Influence People." Love that book. Uh, learn to listen really good awesome guys let's let's wrap it up one hour and 19 minutes it's been a good episode it's been a great one thank you for being with us daniel thank you for being with us tim and uh what was get up yeah um yeah guys make sure to subscribe and uh stay tuned we love you guys peace peace